Hey there, everyone. Welcome to Holy Man, a journey of becoming godly men. No matter if we are sons or husbands, dads, grandfathers, or just any regular guy out there, we are going to try to figure out how God would want us to live on this journey called life. None of us have it all figured out. So let's dig into God's Word and wrestle with God's Word as we try to become who God created us to be, specifically, holy men. Hey there, men. It is good to be with you. Um, We're continuing on our journey of uh, a holy man and We've been utilizing over the last several weeks uh, this book that I found called Lies Men Believe and Believe in the Truth That Sets Them Free. And I don't know about any of you, but uh, I have had some powerful discussions in the life groups, the men's life groups that uh, I've been sitting in. And uh, God has been showing up and utilizing some of these. And hopefully you're getting some of that as well. Um, we've had some great thoughts. And today, I have another great man in the life of new life that's going to be joining me. And uh, Nick Rassi is with me today. Nick, welcome. And it's good to have you with us today. Thank you. Thank you. Nick, I think if I remember correctly, you are a history teacher in one of our local schools here. And uh, Nick, just tell me a little bit about uh, your faith and how maybe history is part of your faith journey. And how just tell everybody out there so they know you a little bit, a little bit about your faith journey. Yeah, so I'm a history teacher up at the high school. I've been working with Campbell County School District for 20 years now. I've been working with our youth and the community. Um, it's just been a blessing to be part of their lives and to try and live that godly life to encourage our students and uh, the people that I come into contact with. Nick, we, just this morning, we're recording this podcast right after Nick and I sat in with one of our men's life groups uh, just this morning. Nick, what a powerful time that was this morning. Amen? Absolutely. It is so good to do life together with men that want to serve God. Well, last week, I spent the time talking a lot about grace in regards to sin, because this chapter we're looking at uh, today is one that we split it into two, and it's lies that men believe about sin. And so last week, I talked a lot about grace, because that has to be foundational. Our sin deserves death or separation from God, but God loves each of us so much that he paid the price for all of our sin, the bad and the ugly, the sin that others know about and our secret sin that is only between us and God. Jesus paid the price for all of our sin. So Nick, today we're gonna be focusing mostly on desiring a holy life or a life that is in line with God's way of living instead of that sin-filled life. But before we get there, let me ask you, when you consider God's grace, Nick, what goes through your mind and heart, and how does that unconditional love, that grace, stir you to live for God? So, grace, it is so good to be in God's grace. We are not ever going to be able to earn it. We are never going to be able to fully comprehend it on this side of earth, but we are living in God's grace, and it is good. There's no doubt. Uh, There's no doubt that moving from a life of sin towards a life of holiness will make our lives better, whether we believe it or not. But that life of holiness starts, it's foundation, it starts with grace. God's grace stirs us towards holiness because we want to love God back 
but also it's God's grace that gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit to help us on that journey of holiness. We have to always know holiness doesn't start with us, but with God and his love for us. We simply respond to his love for us. We never want to think that holiness starts with us because that might potentially cause us to slip into that thinking that me living correctly will earn God's love. And truly, that's something we talked about this morning. We got onto that with our men's group this morning. And so powerfully, we all agree that grace is so powerfully important that we need to respond and remember to receive God's grace first. So today, as we consider lies men believe about sin, we're going to be focusing on three different lies that look at the idea of holiness or a life that is not sinful. So Nick, let me ask you this. How much does Satan not like us living holy lives? Oh, absolutely. You know, John 10.10 10 tells us that uh, God, that we are, are supposed to live abundant lives and, and Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He does not want us to have a holy life. <laughs> and, and it's so sad how much Satan has fed us that lie in so many drastically different ways to get us to walk away from that grace and the holiness that God has available to us. Well, the first uh, lie that the author mentions in our book for today for us to talk about is this. It says, if I mean well, well, that's good enough. If I mean well, that's good enough. Well, Nick, let me ask you this question. Have you ever in your lifetime, and I know we both have, have you ever bent a rule? You didn't break it, but did you ever bend a rule but not break it in your lifetime? Oh, absolutely. We, we try to say we're driving the speed limit. We try and say we're paying our taxes <laughs> fairly, but we try and bend rules all the time. We do. We look for those any of those little places where we can move the marker a little bit and maybe not get in trouble, but just push a little bit that five miles over the speed limit. We I think we all know that five mile limit, that, but yet it's it's not the perfect place that potentially God would want us to be. So, Nick, what would God be like if he were, if we were only, well, what would we be like if we were only holy sometimes? And does that even make sense? If God were only holy sometimes? Yeah, the idea of God not being holy, I don't even understand it because, you know, God is holy. And it is so amazing to think about God's holiness and that he wants it for our lives as well. Um, one story that came to mind as, as I was thinking about this is when I was in college, I was doing street construction. And obviously the street construction crew, a lot of guys, blue collar, hardworking guys, um, we'd be driving to the work site and the guys would be leering at women. There'd be, you know, a good looking woman walking by and uh, the guys would be, oh, look at her. Well, I had this one foreman on the construction crew and he was a, a tough guy and he would always say, I'm not going to look. And the other guys would, you know, joke and, well, why don't you look? And he would say, no, I have a wife. Like, I'm not going to look. I'm not going to bend the rule. I'm not going to uh, go outside of that, that constraint of my marriage. You know, and a lot of times we believe lies. We say stuff like, oh, it's just window shopping. You know, I can look, but, um, you know, I'm not going to touch, which that's, that's not what God wants for us. It's really not. <clears throat> and I can remember back when I was a kid, my parents teaching me this rule when we'd go shopping and, uh, and I would say, I just want to go look. And I remember my parents teaching me, and I've taught my own kids this. Okay, well, you look, but you don't touch. And the, the whole idea of bending and maybe just touching a little or, you know, figuring out how can I get away with just a little bit of it. 
And boy, we, you know, Satan puts that into our mind of thinking that if I'm only window shopping, if I'm only looking, especially in the area of how we men sometimes will look at women, we think, well, I'm not like breaking the rules, but man, I think, Nick, you were talking about a text that Jesus mentions. Uh, Where is that? Matthew chapter 5? Yep. Matthew 5, 27. And Jesus reminds us that if we look at a woman in lust, we've already committed adultery in our heart. And that's... You know, I, I remind myself, and I'm not perfect by any stretch of imagination, but one of the things I try to do is if I see a good-looking woman, I'm like, no, I can't. That's not I, – I have a wife. Like, I, that's, that's God's daughter. That's, you know, someone's daughter. I can't be looking at her like that. And that's one of the things that I try my hardest to uh, be holy in, in where I look and how I interact. Yeah. And to think about because God is holy, he is perfect – And so for us, we need to then be, Paul says it in Galatians chapter, or Ephesians chapter 5. He says this, uh, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. And so the whole idea of imitating God, you know, is just a powerful thought. If he is holy, we're supposed to imitate him. And Paul continues and he said this then, let there be no, and if we look into the New International Version, it says not even a hint. Let there be not even a hint. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes. These are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. And you can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. For the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. So Paul shares this image of not living in a world of good intentions when it comes to holiness. And then that leads us to the truth that the author shares for us. It's God cares about his roles and we must do the same for our own good. God is holy, Nick. And there is no doubt in that that, you know, we, we can see all throughout Scripture the holiness of God, the perfection of God without sin. Jesus was the only one to ever live without sin. And we must, for our own good, get more and more involved in seeking after, chasing after holiness. Amen. Amen. And that leads us into uh, what is our... The, uh, the next lie that he digs into, because it, it, you know, so oftentimes, you know, some of our sins are out there where everybody else can see them. But now he's going to help us to look at something that's behind closed doors. And the lie here is that Satan feeds us is I can hide my secret sin since it only hurts me. Nick, what are some of the so-called secret sins of the world where you could see a Christian man thinking this lie to be true? So for sure, one area of life that a lot of men struggle with is the area of sexual sin. A lot of men feel like they don't know where they can turn. They want to keep that hidden. They can't bring that up to the church because they'll feel shame. Um, And God wants us to be pure in that area. He really does. And and we will definitely be talking about, for those who pay attention to this next week, uh, I'll have another guest joining me and we'll be talking about some of those sexual sins because... (laughs) 
let's face it, Satan feeds us a lot of lies in that area in our generation. And so we will be touching a lot on that next week. Uh, Nick, well, what is some of the pain that you have seen caused by a man's so-called secret sin? A lot of separation, separation from other men, separation from their wives, separation from God because they're dealing with it and they think they have to deal with it by themselves. Yeah. A lot of men, will they will go into what we call isolation. And a lot of that secret sin is behind closed doors. Uh, whether it's, you know, I'm working with a man here recently struggling with gambling addiction. And every time he's dealing with that, it's when he's in isolation. He separates himself from his wife or from his friends. And in those moments, he goes down that slippery slope of getting himself into a bad place. You know, I think of the story, uh, it's a powerful story in Acts chapter 5. So the church is just starting off. Uh, the the prophets or the apostles are just getting things going. And people are beginning to learn what it means to be the church. And we find this story in Acts chapter 5 of these this husband and wife, <clears throat> Ananias and Sapphira, who... Uh, <laughs> deal with some secret sin. And it it goes like this, but there was a certain man named Ananias who with his wife, Sapphira, sold some property and he brought part of the money, part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. Now, before we continue the story, I want to be clear, the sin in the story is not how much they gave. They didn't have to give any of it. It was their choice. But the sin was to secretly tell the church or the leaders of the church, we're giving it all to you, but then only giving a portion. So they wanted it to, for them to be looked at in a special way. They wanted a big pat on the back for being so generous instead of simply giving generously to God and trusting God for the pat on the back. They lived in secret, or they thought. <laughs> Let's continue the story. It goes like this. Then Peter said, Ananias. Why have you let Satan fill your heart? There's how Satan's filling him with a lie. You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not sell as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. And as soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and he died. And everyone who heard about it was terrified. Then some of the young men got up, wrapped him in a sheet, and took him out and buried him. And then, if we continue to read the story, his wife Sapphira entered, and she also lied and kept the secret going, and she also died right there in front of Peter. Again, the sin was the secret deception. It brought pain in many ways, and yes, for them, it even brought death. Well, Nick, if, Nick, if there's a guy listening and if they're struggling with a secret sin, whether it's greed, whether it's you know cheating on their taxes, whether it's the, the sex sins that you talked about here a few moments ago, if there's a guy that's listening and they're struggling with a secret sin, what is some advice that you would have for them? Well, for sure, getting into Scripture, you know, being filled with God's truth, not being uh, filled with lies from the world or from Satan, but getting into God's word. One scripture that I came across this week as I was praying was in Psalm 19. Um, and I've read Psalm 19, but I, I saw a different part of it, and it was so inspiring to me. It said uh, in verse 12, Who can discern his errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. 
So here it was back in the Old Testament that they were thinking about that. A second thing that I would definitely encourage our men to get involved with men's groups, get involved with men that can be vulnerable, that can share, that can pray. Um, don't deal with things by yourself. Get involved with guys that will be able to listen, to encourage, not to judge, um, but to encourage you to live the, the life that God wants for you. Man, we had that this morning in our men's group, and I agree wholeheartedly, Nick. That is so powerfully important. You know, it says in Scripture, don't stop meeting together. It also says confess your sins one to another. Uh, those things are so powerfully important, and, and I love this morning in our men's group, we were vulnerable with each other. We were willing to share some of those places where we are struggling in our walk and how we could then let iron sharpen iron. Uh, and so I love the ability for men to be able to do that for each other. So Nick, I agree. Uh, the truth that the author shares here is our secret sins cannot be hidden indefinitely. They will one day be brought into the lights. We will live in community. Our marriage, our children, our neighborhood, our church, our workplace, what we do, good and not so good, impacts those around us. And I think that's so true. I mean, we might think something is a secret, but ultimately, it's hurting us. It's causing us pain, and that pain that we might have from that secret sin is going to affect others in some way. And ultimately, God knows us inside and out. Nick, the last uh, lie that we're going to get into here, it's one that you and I have laughed about a little bit, and it's just, it's funny in a sense that this idea that holiness is boring. (laughs) It's just crazy. Nick, you're a history teacher, so I want you to think back into history a little bit. There you go. I'm I'm going to bless you, Nick, and let you talk about history a little bit. Can you think back to a time in your life where you would have agreed with this lie? You know, growing up in high school, I I thought that, you know, I'd go to church, but I looked for fun on Friday nights. I looked for fun in areas of life that there was, you know, it was fun temporarily. It was, you know, fun to go out and do stupid things, but it was not the life that God had. It was not the life that God wanted for me to, to be a holy man of God. Yeah, that's for sure. This morning in our men's group, as we talked about Psalm 139, the fact that God has known everything about our lives, you know, we all joked a little bit of like, yeah, we all had some of those moments in our days where we didn't live our best holy life. Uh, That's for sure. I think we can all point to those times. Well, Nick, tell me some areas of life where you see men struggle with holiness and the results of those decisions. You know, we look for happiness from the world in a lot of places, from gambling, from drinking, from what we're watching on TV, Netflix, all those different things. And they may bring us a temporary happiness. They may bring us a surface level uh, fulfillment, but it's not the life that is going to bring us ultimate joy. It's not going to bring us ultimate fellowship um, with God and, and with other people. So I would encourage just to, you know, be careful with what you're doing for thinking this is going to bring me happiness. It's fleeting. It's not going to the worldly things are not going to be there. Yeah, absolutely. And and I've seen that, you know, even if, uh, guys, I'm sorry, but I'm going to go here just for a moment. But even some of our hobbies like hunting and fishing, I mean, those are great hobbies. I love to hunt. I love to fish and I love doing it. But sometimes we get so wrapped up in our hobbies, whatever those hobbies might be, and they can be fun. They can bring happiness in that moment. And yes, they can even bring joy. But sometimes can they also hurt certain other relationships. I remember back when I was first married and I started uh, 
going, doing my normal hunting thing. And my wife would get this look on her face like, you're going again? And so we had to find this balance of what my marriage looked like, of what raising kids looked like. Instead of always just chasing after my own happiness, what could joy look like in that same area? And so it, it, there's sin involved, but also just to find what are those things in life that we chase after that maybe are not quite as good as maybe something else. And man, it's hard to find that balance, but it's a fun journey to find that true joy. Because let's, let's think about it this way, Nick. I think heaven's going to be good. What do you think about that? Oh, absolutely. You know, as a kid, I always saw the Tom and Jerry uh, cartoons where <laughs> he was sitting on the, the cloud, you know, as a little angel playing the harp. And oh, how boring is that going to be in heaven? That's not the picture of heaven in the Bible. No, it's not. Uh, there's no doubt that the picture of, this, of heaven, and it's something that we all hopefully are looking forward to. We're longing for it. And if that's the case, then why would we not want to bring some of that heaven to earth, which is a holy life? Because there's no sin in heaven. It's holy there. It's life without sin. And so wouldn't we want heaven in this world and to be chasing after those things? Uh, you know, I want to think about, you know, Nick, you and I, we talked about this. We have this love for the, the latter part of the book of Deuteronomy. So the D book of Deuteronomy is Moses getting the people ready to head into what was called the promised land. That place was going to be flowing with milk and honey. It was going to be the place where God set up this relationship where he would be the, uh, the God and they would be the people. And there would be the, it was almost like a blissful heavenly type image that was being set up. And so Deuteronomy is getting them ready for that. And then at the end, in chapter 28, uh, Moses goes into sharing, here's a deal. This is the life you can lead. And if you live that life that God has for you, you will be blessed. And he shares this huge long list of all these blessings. But then on the flip side, he also says, but if you don't, if you choose to live your own selfish life, man, you're going to have curses. You're going to have, life is not going to be as good. So then jumping into chapter 30, Moses wants them to, then it's time for them to make a choice. He says, in, starting in verse 15 of chapter 30, he says, Now listen, today I'm giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. He tries to set up this image of something really, really good and something not as good. Verse 16, For I command you this day to love the Lord your God, to keep his commands, decrees, regulations by walking in his ways. If... You do this, you will live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you and the land you are about to enter and occupy. But if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, and if you are drawn away to serve and worship other gods, then I warn you now that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live a long, good life in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to occupy. What a powerful statement. I mean, Moses sense, sets up the perfect image of what a great life, a blessed life can look like. And that life is living within the will of God, living the way that God would call us to live because God knows the best way for us to live. Nick, as you hear those phrases, I know you've, you've loved this passage, these passages before. You know, what extra do you have to add to this that you hear Moses encouraging the people to live out? 
Yeah, so one of my all-time favorite Bible verses of all time, and it's been for years that I've meditated on this, which is Deuteronomy 30 and into verse 19. And this is such an awesome word. This day I call heaven and earth as witness against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land he swore to your, uh, uh, swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's the life I want. I want that holy life. Not because I'm holy, because God's holy, but his way works, you know, with my relationship with my wife, with my relationship with my uh, daughters, with the, the students in my classroom. If I'm walking with God in holiness, that's going to bring the joy. That's going to bring the, the life that God wants for me. When I stray from that, it doesn't bring God's way. It brings curses. Yeah. Another word, I mean, we talked a lot about joy, but peace is another word. I, you know, I, I think for all of us, we've experienced in our families or in our relationships, maybe in our workplace, we've experienced chaos or brokenness, and the opposite of peace. And another thing that if we are walking in the ways of God, even though this world is a hard, crazy place to live in, where there's a lot of brokenness, a lot of sin out there, that if we walk in God's ways for our own life, if we're chasing after that life that God has available to us, we're going to find not just joy, but peace. Treat peace, as Paul says in Philippians, peace that transcends understanding. We just can't even gather how good that peace can be if we are walking with God. It's, a, it's heaven on earth. You know, Nick, I, I know that you know the, the prayer uh, where the Lord's Prayer, as Jesus taught, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's that prayer, that longing for a holy life. So, so you're telling me, Paul, that I hear the lie from people saying, oh, I should just live a little bit, have a little bit of fun. You know, it's a rite of passage about <laughs> sin. So I'm not supposed to go out and sin, and that's not supposed to be the life that I'm supposed to live? Isn't it crazy that, that we think that that's the better life? And, and, and I've, exp I've thought that myself. I've been fed that lie, and I've thought that myself. I've, you know, like any other person, I've thought that dabbling in that life that Satan whispers in our ear that this is going to make things better, that that's not the better life. It's really not. We miss out on the better life. It might be happy for that fleeting amount of time, Nick, but ultimately, how often do we experience that that happiness is fleeting and we miss out on something that's better? The truth that, the, that our author says here is living a holy life in dependence on the power of the Holy Spirit is a wonderful thing. It is the pathway to happiness and more importantly, pure joy. And I'm gonna throw in there and pure peace as well. Uh, there's no doubt that, that we have a choice. We have freedom, Nick, and we all love freedom, but we have the freedom to choose holiness or not. And God promises us if we choose holiness, his ways, life will be better. Amen. Well, Nick, I've come to know you as a man of encouraging words. Uh, you have blessed so many of us on staff and other leaders in our church with these encouraging words already. So before we go, what words of encouragement do you have for these men as they consider these lies and the potential to move beyond them into a holy life? So I would just encourage you to continue to seek out God, to live in 
um, communion with God and, and with other people the way that God has it for us to bring his kingdom um, in heaven onto this earth and uh, get into uh, the word this week get into Deuteronomy go back and reread it Deuteronomy 30 uh, such a great chapter and words of encouragement really is and then I want to finalize Nick again holiness is such a powerful thing but and, and because it's counter sin and it brings blessings in our life but I want to come back to the idea it begins with grace it begins with the understanding that we have already sinned we have fallen short of the glory of God and we don't deserve a holy life we don't deserve to be in a relationship with God but because of the cross because of that love that God has for us he what he has already done for us can move us then to respond to that grace and to just long to love him back and to receive the holy life that he is available to us. It's all about grace. Has to be. Well, Nick, I really appreciate you joining me today. Uh, I've gotten to know you a lot over these last several months and to, to hear about your walk of faith and to see you and your family and just the, uh, the blessing that they are in the life of the church. I thank you for joining me today, Nick. Appreciate it. And uh, guys, I look forward to hearing about your uh, discussions that you have on this topic of holiness. And uh, as we all continue our journey of longing to be holy men. Have a great day. Mm -hmm.